Rodney Jane here. At Bob Jane T-Marts, our sizzling summer deals start early with a free Weber barbecue when you buy four selected Bridgestone jeweler or a Lenser tyres. Buy three and get the fourth tyre free on Bridgestone, Goodyear, Yokohama and Dunlop. And up to $100 instant cashback on top tyre brands like Michelin, Goodyear, Zenon and Motorsport X. All with our best tyre price guarantee. We'll look after you. T's and C's apply. This is Parked Up Plus, the place of pace for motor racing news thanks to Race Fuels. From supercars to club racing, Race Fuels keeps Australian motorsport moving, supplying premium products when and where racers need it. And fueling the latest news and views is Parked Up Plus. Coming up, the final roar, Holden's big Adelaide 500 farewell. The man who bleeds red, John Crennan on the lion's rise and demise. Supercar's calendar finally confirmed and another third generation driver eyes supercars. All this and more straight ahead on Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. Hi there race fans. It's all about the Adelaide 500 this week. The popular street race event is back, restored as promised by the South Australian Labor government with a new long-term deal. The Adelaide 500 is now the supercar's season ender, echoing the Parkland Circuit's heyday as the final Formula One race of the year. The event returns by popular demand. It was a major election promise that helped Labor regain power in South Australia. Back after two years, the Adelaide 500 marks the end of two eras. It's the last appearance in the supercar's main game of what started a decade ago as Car of the Future. And it's the final farewell of Holden in top-level racing. First, a look at how eagerly Adelaide is anticipating the return of Supercar's biggest event. It's the hometown of Supercar Extra magazine editor Adrian Mussolino, who tells Parked Up Plus that there's growing excitement amid the scramble to get the track ready. Well, it's building and it's um, definitely been rushed. There's no doubt about that. There's, you know, there wasn't much time between the announcement of the event's return and the actual event date. So, you know, the organisers are the first to admit that they were really hard pressed to make it all happen. And, you know, that's still evident, you know, a week out from the event. So it looks as though it's all going to be ready, but it is definitely a push. Um, You know, nine months is a big effort to start from scratch. And that's essentially what they were doing. So there's no doubt. The track and its facilities will be ready to go. And, of course, the track itself has largely been resurfaced. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's amazing. This time last year, we were debating whether the track was going to be torn up and whether, you know, there was any form of motorsport that was going to come back to that street circuit. So, you know, a lot can happen in a year, especially with the change of government and, you know, new surface. Um, it definitely, you know, having walked through the site, it definitely sort of looks slightly different. You know, some grandstands are in different places, different sizes. The concert sort of area has gone back to its original location. So it looks and feels like what an Adelaide 500 should, but there will be some adjustments that sort of people, you know, who were there in 2020 will remember. So um, it should, you know, all be ready to go. And, you know, the resurfacing just adds an extra you know, element of, you know, uncertainty given, you know, we should see some new lap record times. And in Adelaide, is excitement building? Is the town looking forward to the big race coming back? 
It is. You know, I, I won't lie, there's still some confusion about what's going on. And I just, you know, someone asked me today, you know, why the track's being prepared so early for a race that's meant to be in February. And I think there's still an element of confusion that, you know, for 20 plus years, this event was, you know, at the start of the year and now it's at the end. And it, so, you know, it, I think that this first year is going to sort of have to change some perceptions. And obviously going from the start of the season to the end, it, it'll be a different dynamic for the drivers and teams and the event itself. So excitement's building. I, I think people are sort of readjusting to the idea that the event's back. Obviously it's hard to miss when you're in the city. Um, it's so close to the CBD. So Excitement's definitely building. Um, I think the organisers have done well to sort of give an event that looks and feels like an old Adelaide 500. It has the big name concerts. It's got a good support act. Um, but, you know, different dynamic for sure. It, it, you know, I'm sure they would have preferred to have a championship on the line, which obviously they don't have. But I think the, you know, final event for Holden has added an extra dynamic and especially in South Australia, you know, sort of where Holden was housed and, housed and sort of founded. So, it's um definitely excitement's building and um I think the biggest thing as well is just, it's just got clean air this year. There's no conflicting events or arts festivals around it, so it's really the big show in town, which is what you know an event that size needs. Mussolino also thinks the move to the end of the season will ultimately make the Adelaide 500 even bigger. I think it will. I think once people get used to it and, you know, certainly there's been sort of an emphasis to, you know, there's going to be events around the actual race itself. So the end of season gala is going to be in Adelaide on the Monday. So I think it'll work. I think, you know, definitely people who come from interstate will see what a difference it makes not to have the sort of arts festivals around at the same time within that same CBD precinct. It'll be that, you know, if you're around that area, you're there for the race and, you know, the concerts and things like that. So, that's what it needs. And that's what the Grand Prix had for all those years. It was the sort of, you know, big act in town. So I think it'll work really well that, you know, it's starting to warm up and, you know, it's sort of got that sort of summer feel to it. So all the ingredients are there, um, good concert acts. So uh, it, it should work. It may just take a year or two for people to get used to it because it's such a big change, but it'll definitely work going forward. And, you know, if there's a championship on the line, line moving forward, I think that'll be even better. Overall, Supercar Extra magazine's Adrian Mussolino reckons the Adelaide 500's festival feel is back. Yeah, it's definitely opening up. And I think we're seeing a sort of, you know, the return of the South Australian Motorsport Board. There's more of an emphasis on, you know, a motoring and motorsport focused events around the actual race itself. I think when it was sort of run by the Tourism Commission and, you know, which is essentially a branch of the government, it sort of lost that sort of feeling of a motorsport event and it became you know had to sort of default into this sort of festival non-motorsport thing so I think it's good that the focus is back on that and I think that's reflected in you know the strength of the support categories to have you know S5000 for example you know given the track's history with open wheelers to have you know high powered open wheelers you know that's something that you know they know will appeal to fans so it seems like they're on track with that um Obviously, this year was going to be a big ask to just get it up and running, which they seem to be, you know, ready to do. So I think it'll be sort of, you know, only onward and upward going forward. Well, it seems like we've been farewelling Holden from supercars for a few years, which, of course, in various ways we have. But this weekend is the actual end for the Lion in top-level racing 
and the final fling for the Commodore nameplate after more than 40 years. At the front line of Holden in racing since the early 1970s was John Crennan, a key player through the Peter Brock days and then the Holden racing team's domination from the mid-90s into the early 2000s. Crennan was a senior Holden sales and marketing executive poached by British automotive mogul, the late Tom Walkinshaw, to set up Holden Special Vehicles and who later transformed HRT into a racing powerhouse. No one bleeds red more than Crano, who's written a soon-to-be-published book on his decades-long alignment with Holden. He tells Pucked Up Plus that this weekend will be, well, something of an anticlimax. Well, I think the uh, the sadness has passed. I think you know we've had a pretty good a pretty good run at it, and by and large, um, this uh, this horse has now been flogged for its uh, I guess its third season since the announcement of the um, demise of the of the Holden badge and, and the Commodore. So look, yes, I, I I I know, however, that there are many, many, many. Holden and Commodore generations of, of people that, that, that love every minute of it, and their emotions and their feelings, particularly as motorsports fans, are, are still very, very strong. But but I suppose um, uh, I, I'm a little fatigued, if you like, of the of the um, of the this is the last one of this, and this is the last one of this one, and this is the last one of this one. I I, I know this is the absolute last, but. Um, uh, you know, it, it has been rolling on a little bit like a Blue Hill serial to a, to an extent. So um, I'm, I'm sure, however, you know, like myself as good marketers, I'm not saying I'm a good marketer, but as a marketer, you'll do your best to you know get get the most out of everything you can, and, I, and I'm sure the marketers will, will will use this as a means of you know getting more viewers and perhaps a higher attendance because it is a it is certainly a signature event. As you say, it has been such a slow death, though that it's almost like they've been rubbing it in. <laughs> um, no, look, I, I, I think the, um, I think the, as it is now called, the, the GM side of things. I, I think their intentions are, are, are very honourable. Um, they're, they're they're wanting to sustain, if you like, the the memory of Holden as long as they possibly can. Um, there are some commercial aspects to that as well with memorabilia and those types of things. But apart from that, I, I do think it's a, a reasonably genuine endeavour to sort of um, be letting everybody down gently with what to me was you know, a, a pretty shocking announcement more, n- nearly three years ago. With the Gen 3 Chevrolet Camaro replacing the Commodore in the main game next year, John Crennan wonders if the Holden faithful will transfer their allegiance. That's a that's the sixty-four million dollar question. Look, I, I know I'm old-fashioned and I'm a dinosaur in this business, but I, I have never lost sight of the fact that there's one reason manufacturers go into motorsport, particularly at the elite end. And, and I've still been a believer in why be in it unless you can win on Sunday and sell on Monday. So, you know, with a with the last three years of a of a Commodore and a Holden that was not possible to be purchased. On a showroom floor, and and next year with a participant in Camaro, which I think is a sensational-looking thing, and it's sort of one of my my all-time great 
sort of ad- admired cars for its for its just on on road on road looks. Um, but the fact that it's not available in Australia uh, and the Mustangs are you know minimal volume, it's not it's not something that um, that that you sort of are saying. Um, boy, this is going to have a, a massive impact on the automotive industry. You know? So, uh, on the other hand, they're two, they're two terrific brands, but with, without any relativity, or very, very little relativity to the, um, you know, to the showroom. In his new limited edition book, Creno reveals the behind-the-scenes stories of the Brock bust-up and the battles to keep Holden in racing. For example, it was, as he explains, a struggle to keep Holden Racing Team alive in the early 1990s. Well, um, at the, at midway through 1991, Tom was insisting with me that we had to shut it down. Um, I put forward, and again, it's something that I put in the book. Um, I put forward a, a, a you know a, a very compelling reason not to not to do it, um, and. Uh, uh, and, and he bought that, but it, it still didn't improve in '92. Gardner in '93 was going to be the Messiah that would sort of change everything, along with Neil Lowe, but it didn't happen. But the, the, the biggest issue, um, uh, and I'm on record as saying this, the biggest issue was that, that the, the, the the way it was run was very convoluted. Um, I, I was, uh, I mean, I had a job to do running HSV. Uh, but I also had a responsibility to try and find the money um, and the budget to, to run the race team. But yet, between Win Percy and Tom, um, they wanted to sort of run the operational side of the team, which I guess was fair enough. I'm not, I, I wasn't a born racer, etc., etc. But it became very apparent to me that um, that this, this, as I say, convoluted uh, uh, overseas sort of remote control pushing the button on how it should work and Tom talking to Wynn etc etc and Wynn talking to Lindell and it, it, it was a crazy mixed up system um, I put my foot down in no uncertain order still got a copy of the letter I wrote to Tom and said Tom either either I um, have the uh, the opportunity to take over as team principal and run the whole show and to a certain extent please, please stay out of it because um, you've got bigger fish to fry over there and let us run it and let us recruit the team and the people that, that are required to get the, to get the job done and and look that really that was um, that was um, as a consequence of it come 1993 when still things still weren't working so from well, I had a clear run at things from 1994 onwards to pull it all together do a three-year plan um, and managed to recruit certain people including Jeffrey Gretsch and hire uh, get Ron Harrop in as, a, in as a, an extra support, and and from that time forward, we 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 where it was just local management, and of course naturally Tom had terrific input where it was necessary, but it was that was not necessarily operational input. It was really just uh, it was just sort of strategic and keeping him across everything. Crennan also famously brought Peter Brock back into the Holden factory fold in 1994. Well, at the time, Rob McInery, who was director of sales and when I was at HSV, um, he, he was very unforgiving of what Peter did um, uh, on on uh, the uh, 20th of February, 1987. Mm-hmm. And, and, 
and was also rather unforgiving of Mobile for, for likewise backing Peter when he had caused us so much disruption and so much so much difficulty. Rob got transferred to um, to Saab, um, and I had a very serendipitous meeting with Peter in the car park at Bathurst. After that, and we both said, hey, look, a lot of your strengths are our weaknesses, a lot of your weaknesses are our strengths, why don't we have a chat? We met that night in the motel room. At the same time, uh, David Mattingly at Mobile, uh, at uh, the Mattingly Agency was handling the Mobile account. They were keen to move away from Advantage Racing. So we, we did that, in, uh, and I then had to convince Tom that that was going to be okay, because... You know, Tom Tom was very humble and very understated, but by the same token, it was his name over the door, and he didn't need Brock coming in and stealing the spotlight from the development of the of the Tom brand and the and the and the, and the TWR brand. So, uh, but look, the, in terms of getting it across the line with with Holden, both Kevin Whale and Bill Hamill, that was that was uh, a big tick, um, and uh, certainly, um, as I say. Um, uh, then mobile, then mobile, you know, came on board, and 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 it all worked. So, in overall terms, it it wasn't that difficult. But there was a lot of there were a lot of little boxes to get ticked. Crano has a wealth of Holden Racing tales, and you'll hear more of them in the full interview coming up on Thursday in Grant Rowley's Parked Up, and you won't want to miss that one. More after this short break. The Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast, it's all in the name. It's all motorsport. Focused on those who make significant contributions to the sport we love. Correct. Some people might only see a dozen motor racing events each year, but the truth is that our sport never stops. Almost every weekend there's a car race going on somewhere. And Gaz, you're at most of them. Ah, yes, and if I'm not there, you certainly are. And you'll hear from us on the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast every fortnight. You're listening to Parked Up Plus. Welcome back. Next year's Supercars calendar is finally out. And as predicted here, it's 12 events without New Zealand, Winton or Queensland Raceway. Also, as we revealed last week, the Sandown 500 is back in September as the traditional Bathurst 1000 warm-up. Sandown's return as the popular retro round is also on the cards. And it looks like we'll have Sandown for, well, maybe a few more years yet. The 2024 Sandown 500 will be a big celebration of 60 years of touring car endurance races at the suburban Melbourne circuit. Premier Daniel Andrews' Labor government was returned in a landslide in the Victoria state election. And that's good news for motorsport fans. It means government backing for the proposed Melbourne Super Circuit alongside Avalon Airport to the west of the city. Stand by for an announcement of funding for a multi-purpose track suitable for international car and motorcycle racing, plus driver training and automotive testing. Another third-generation driver is setting his sights on supercars. The latest is Cameron McLeod, son of Racer Industries founder Ryan, and grandson of Peter, a leading touring car privateer in the 1980s and co-winner of the 1987 Bathurst 1000. The third-gen McLeod revealed his plan to take the first step on the supercars ladder to Gary O'Brien, co-host of our companion Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing podcast. 
Cameron McLeod finished third in the Australian Formula Ford Series in 2022, won a round at Morgan Park, but has already sold a car and has big plans for next year. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so our plan next year is to run in um, the Super 3 Series um, in a Nissan. So we've been doing a lot of um, practice. I've driven a few supercars. Um, I'm here today driving the Mark II Mustang, Keith Kosilke's car. Um, just to get familiar around the Bathurst with a quick car. I've only been here in the Mustang production car and Holden Asher production car. But yeah, we're just doing everything we can to, um, to uh, get as prepared as we can for next year. How did you find it this weekend here at Challenge Bathurst? Oh, it was awesome. The car's amazing to drive. It's, it's awesome. I'm sure the supercar will be a lot more, a lot more difficult to drive, but it's, it's still a fast car to drive around here, and if you can do a quick time in it, pretty sure you can go pretty good in supercars and i guess now you're really looking forward to next year yeah definitely am and um it's a big big stepping stone but um we'll be working with brad neil he's as i said he's getting the car and it's, it couldn't be possible without him the latest napa auto parts grassroots racing podcast is up now looking back on bathurst challenge more after this important message Race Fuels is Australia's leading supplier of racing fuel to national and state-level motorsport. And its range of racing fuels includes the BP Supercars E85, which is available to grassroots races. For power and protection over pump fuel, Race Fuels imports the Elf Race 102, as used by Porsche Carrera Cup and the Touring Car Masters. More info on Race Fuels E85 and Elf Race 102 is available at RaceFuels. You're listening to Parked Up Plus. And we're on the run to the chequered flag. Another Bates is Australian rally champion. Lewis joining his brother Harry and their multiple title-winning dad, Neil. Lewis Bates and co-driver Anthony McLaughlin snatched the title in a dramatic finish to the super cheap auto Coffs Coast Rally. That headlines Grant Rowley's roundup of the weekend's racing, thanks to our partner, Bob Jane Teamer. Three significant domestic motorsport championships came to a close over the weekend with Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge Australia, Motorcycle Insurance Australian Superbike Championship presented by Motul, and the RSCA Safety Motorsport Australia Rally Championship all concluding a busy end to the 2022 motorsport season. In the second tier, one make Porsche Sprint Challenge, Thomas Sargent played a cool hand to claim the title at Phillip Island. Sargent finished second in the two races that saw out their duration behind Kiwi star Ryan Wood, ensuring Sargent and CHE racing the title. Race two was red flagged and ultimately cancelled after an incident damaged a tyre wall. It was a strong season for Sargent, who finished every race inside the top two, and this adds to his Australian Formula Ford crown from last year. In the Australian Superbikes, Mike Jones sealed his third title at the Ben Motorsport Park over the weekend. Jones beat Australian MotoGP star Jack Miller to pole and secured the crown with a sixth-place finish in race one. It was Yamaha's first local crown since 2007, and Jones capped off his season with victory in race two. In the Australian Rally Championship, another Bates added their name to the title, with Lewis Bates and co-driver Anthony McLaughlin claiming the crown. Former champion and brother Harry Bates was the only driver with a chance of beating Lewis to the championship. However, a crash meant that Lewis was able to cruise to the crown. 
And offshore, the Extreme E came to a close in Uruguay with rally legends Sebastian Loeb and Christina Gutierrez clinching the crown. Reigning champion Aussie Molly Taylor finished in fifth place in Uruguay and despite contesting just two rounds, finished the title in 15th place. That's the racing news from home and abroad. My name is Grant Rowley reporting for Parked Up Plus with thanks to our friends at Bob Jane T-Marts and to all of our listeners, enjoy the return of the Adelaide 500 this weekend. Thanks, Grant. And that's it for now. Back this time next week with the latest news and views on what's happening in motorsport. In the meantime, tune in to Parked Up with Grant Rowley on Thursday, featuring the full revealing interview with Holden heavy hitter John Crennan. I'm Mark Fogarty. Thanks for listening. You've just listened to another Network R production. 